Are you tired of your content not getting the reach it deserves? Change that at Grow With Video Summit. From May 23rd through the 25th, join industry leaders like Gary Vee, Ali Abdal, Patrick Bet David, Cody Sanchez, and more for strategies that will elevate your visibility and engagement. So go to summit.thinkmedia.com to secure your ticket. Just click the link in the description or go to summit.thinkmedia.com. Being unique is far more powerful than being the best. Having a good name is a huge key to good positioning. Is the name memorable? Is it related to the topic you wanna be known for and cover? Never upload videos your subscribers didn't subscribe for. If you try and own a position that's too broad, it can't even be established. It's better to narrow the focus of your expertise and establish a unique position as a specialist, not a jack of all trades generalist. In this episode of the Think Media Podcast, I wanna share with you six questions every entrepreneur and YouTube creator needs to answer if they wanna win on YouTube this year. And this is a part of our strategy series where we're having higher level conversations about how to get views, how to get subscribers, and how to be different in a crowded YouTube landscape. Now, recently read the book, Positioning, which is a classic marketing book, and I would argue it's a must read. However, I read the book so you don't have to. And in this episode, I'm going to be breaking down some of my insights from the book and then go through the six questions that we need to answer, contextualizing it all for you so that you can get better results on YouTube and not just experience channel growth, but also reach your financial targets and make money from your channel. Now, here's a premise of the book, which is fascinating. Now, this book was actually written in the 1980s. So you might say, what relevance does that have today? You'd be surprised more than ever. Then there was a 20th anniversary edition, which I'm holding here in my hands, that came out in 2001. And here's what's shocking. The premise of the book is this, and I'm quoting the authors. It says, in an over-communicated society, very little communication takes place. There's too many companies, there's too many products, there's too much marketing noise. We could say there's too many YouTube channels. Here's what's crazy. They said this in 1980. They echoed it in 2001. And social media and YouTube had not even started. The internet was only just starting. So this is more true today than ever before. And what they argued was that changing minds is an extremely difficult task. It's easier to work with what's already there. What does that mean? It means that when there's an over-communicated society, a lot of times what happens is that once you have the market share in someone's mind, and they're talking about products, like once you become a Coke drinker, it's very difficult to transition someone to become a Pepsi drinker. If you're on the YouTube version of the podcast, let me know, is it Coke or Pepsi for you or is it LaCroix for you? Let me know. And it says this, we're overwhelmed with information that our brains filter out and therefore our brains filter out most brands that we encounter. Hear this again. We are overwhelmed with information So our brains are actually filtering out most brands that we encounter. So here's the problem. For a YouTube creator, people either, number one, are not even discovering you and subscribe to the podcast because you have lots of episodes about, you know, hack the algorithm, start getting discovered. But number two, even if they find your channel, here's the real sad part. You do get discovered. You do start being seen. You do get some impressions, but you, you don't remain in the mind of the viewer. You do get some shorts viewers, 
but you didn't really build a brand. You do get some views, but nobody remembers you. You do get some exposure, but you're forgotten about in the future. So what exactly is positioning? And then we'll get into these six questions. Well, I used to think before I read the book in secret, like when you actually read the book, you like learn things. I used to think like, oh yeah, positioning is like, I'm choosing how I describe myself or I'm choosing my brand colors. I'm choosing like, you know, how am I different? And that's not what positioning is. Actually, what positioning is, is what already exists in the minds of the viewer or in the consumer. What position is already there? Now, I know we're in an emerging market and so there's opportunity right now, but the idea of positioning is if someone already realizes that Tylenol is what I take for my headaches, then it's gonna be hard to create a new headache medicine. You understand that maybe there's Tylenol and there's Advil and then there's the store-bought brands. And that's the difference between what? Acetaminophen and NSAIDs. Like there's two different things, but like those are the dominant brands and there's differences. So that once there's a position, so it's like once there's someone in someone's minds for your expertise, like who's the go-to person for your channel topic? Who's the go-to person? Now, in a world of content creators, is it quite as literal? In a world of business owners, is it quite as there can only be Coke or there can only be Pepsi? The answer is no. But nevertheless, we can all benefit from the positioning conversation about thinking where we position. And one of the reasons I wanted to invite you into this conversation is because we're going through this at Think Media right now. I started to wonder, huh, where are we positioned in the mind of people as it pertains to learning about video. Where are we positioned in the mind of other YouTube channels in the space? What about my friend Justin Brown? What about Colin and Samir coming up in terms of creator advice and tips? What about other people that are talking about YouTube? And so depending on where you are in your journey, getting an understanding of positioning is gonna be huge. And that's why the subtitle is Positioning, the Battle for Your Mind. Because what ends up happening is the cool thing is once you actually get a position in the mind of the viewer, it's almost impossible to lose the position. I do believe that Coke has been number one, will probably be number one, and it's almost gonna be impossible to ever disrupt Coke as number one in terms of cola brands. It is also, there's also massive opportunity for there to be a number two, number three, and number four. And then there's opportunity for there to be a number one through a thousand other options, especially in a world of Seth Godin weird, especially in a world of marketing warfare. And we have an episode about that on the podcast. Your approach actually has to do with what your position is. And your position takes into consideration what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? What are your competitor's strengths and what are your competitor's weaknesses? And one of their conclusions was that a huge key is being unique is far more powerful than being the best. So that if you can then look at the marketplace, and this is where a lot of people make a mistake, they don't take the time to actually go think about, well, wait a minute, there's already somebody that holds this position in people's minds. And so why am I attempting to build a YouTube empire on an offensive attack against someone that is already really dominating that space? When the answer would be to take an entirely different approach. Now, the cool thing about fast forward 20 years past the second edition of this book is that we are living in a world where there's so many people and there's so much diversity and 2.6 billion consumers. But the principles remain the same, 2.6 billion monthly active users on YouTube watching YouTube, that there's a ton of space for personal finance people talking to millennials or Gen X or baby boomers and then different background, you know, the way you look, the way you sound, your gender, all different opportunities. But by the way, this is all a positioning conversation because 
rather than trying to be the cookie cutter personal finance expert, Dave Ramsey, what is your unique angle to say, I'm not even going to try to beat Dave. I'm not going to try to be the best. I'm going to try to be unique. I'm not going to try to beat Richard, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. How am I going to be unique? So here's a few more takeaways that I got from this book that I think will be fascinating to you before we get into the six questions. But uh, a couple of the strategies they recommended for positioning was one, if possible, be first. Now that probably applies to zero of us because you might be like, Sean, there is zero opportunity to be first right now on YouTube. Mm, depends though. AI is blowing up right now. There's already a lot of people that have rushed in to probably capture the positioning of being first to educating people about AI. Makes me think about Nikki Saunders, who has gone deep in educating people about AI apps, and she's blowing up right now. Nobody was talking about AI three months ago, six months ago. And so when something new happens in the market, if you can have a first mover's advantage, that's an option. But here's the key. If you can't be first, then your goal is to position yourself against the first person and the person who got there first or the brand or the business or the YouTube channel. And this is not for the faint of heart, but this is what you would call offensive warfare where um, if you can't be first, you need to be against. For example, 7up positioned itself against Coca-Cola as the uncola and crushed it. So it was like, okay, Coca-Cola is number one. What do I do? Make another cola? No, you make an uncola and they crushed it. So while leaders can copy followers, followers cannot copy leaders is one of the quotes. And so if someone's already dominating, they already have massive momentum, you're looking for, again, how do I be unique versus trying to be the best? Finding that unique angle and positioning yourself against, you could consider positioning yourself against the product, the politician. What is the way to stand out in politics is to actually be positioned against as the alternative to. One of the ways this stood out to me was there was all these advertisements for mud water, which is an alternative A to coffee. So coffee has a positioning in, in the market and obviously there's different brands, but mud water was like healthy non-coffee for people who don't want to have jitters and the caffeine and all this stuff. Then I saw ads that mud water probably captured this weird mushroom, um, powdery, matcha, cocoa powder, whatever. I bought some. It, it it actually was like the first of this particular product in my mind. And I was like, okay. And I bought some. And then I started getting Facebook ads and they mentioned mud water. And they were like, we are better than mud water. We actually have like living ingredients. And so their market positioning was being against mud water of a niche within a niche category. So just a couple takeaways, right? You know, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Be first. If you can't be first, position yourself against. So how can you be the alternative to a market leader? But then the other opportunity here is to reposition the, the competition. So in, in order to move your product to a new position, you move old products and you reframe them. That's what this other company, clearly not very sticky because I don't remember their name against Mudwater, did. Tylenol had a slogan for people who cannot take aspirin. So because I think aspirin and Tylenol, right, they're two different things in terms of the actual drug itself. Like the goal wasn't to beat aspirin. The goal was to be for people who couldn't do the other thing. Your goal is to actually reposition the competitor. Now, this isn't for everybody, but for some Think Media Podcast listeners, this could be the key to your breakthrough. If you have the courage and the confidence and the integrity as well to say, Man, there's a particular YouTube channel that's being really bold with a particular worldview, a particular style of content, a particular content they're creating. I, I'm against that. You know, I, I'm gonna actually go against that 
and and I'm going to reposition the competition. This is what they actually are. When it comes to these macro marketing positioning strategies, sometimes some of the best examples of this, I mean, just think about how we could apply this to our YouTube branding and positioning, is watching politics uh, politicians duke it out, looking at their campaign slogans, looking at how they position what the previous presidency did versus uh, what they're going to do different. And so you could think about some of the things we could do from that. All right, here's another takeaway. Ranking your competitors. People do have a mental ladder. So for example, in car rentals, it was like Hertz was number one, Avis was number two, National was number three. And so then you start thinking about, okay, who like this, I know my area pretty well. Who, Who do I listen to to learn YouTube? Who's number one, who's number two, who's number three? If you're on the YouTube video, I'm curious. Like, is there anybody else you listen to as it pertains to getting YouTube advice? And then- Let's say you're listening to this. You're like, I still want to go into that. Man, you got to find a slice. You got to find that if you're not number one, number two, number three, or those areas are kind of locked up. By the way, YouTube's a little bit different than this book. And I think that it's always fair game. And that for anybody who maybe gets complacent or they get tired or they don't continue to outwork, outstrategize, outlast um, the competition, outlearn, then ultimately, if you just stick it out, by all means, I'm surpass what we're doing. Like it's a, 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 that is, I think an exciting opportunity of just the marketplace and creating content. But here's the takeaways. Number one, have you ranked the competitors? Have you identified and just kind of done some, some, some thought of, okay, who right now are people going to, to learn this? Who right now are people going to listen to? Being aware of who are the mus- the top musicians that people are listening to? What can you learn from them? How are you positioned different? Who are the top channels who are the top? A lot of times, if you endeavor to sell a book someday, you're never, you're probably never going to sell a book to somebody who's never bought a book. The key is you actually are going to sell a book to somebody who buys books. If it's Sean, I buy a lot of books and I, I never buy just one book. So it's like, it's not actually a scarce world. I have never, I don't just buy one leadership book. I buy every leadership book. However, I'm sure there's lots I don't know. So it's like, in my mind, it's like John Maxwell is probably the number one. Okay, well, I'm not gonna try to be John Maxwell. What do I do? Somebody wrote a book, I think about like leadership and life lessons from like animals and plants. Uh, John ain't doing that. It's a little bit, it's different. I am the foremost leading expert on leadership insights from the plant world. You know what I mean? You're all of a sudden, and then someone goes, ain't nobody got that position in my mind. Are you starting to see like how the opportunity of, okay, how do I then identify? So who's the number one, two, three, four? Who's the Hertz Avis National? And what are their strengths and weaknesses? And should I even go up against them? Or then how do I just become the number one leadership strategist from the life of plants because I'm, I'm going to start playing an entirely different game. This would be all a part of the positioning process, which people have said it's literally the Bible on strategy and the most influential advertising book ever written. Where are you on the product? And you might be saying, Sean, I'm just starting. This seems daunting. It seems overwhelming. Well, welcome to the strategy locker room. We're having a higher level conversation. And two, like if you're not on the ladder, your insights from the ladder help you develop your unique strategy. One other thing they said, two other things, and I'm gonna get you these questions. The power of the name. The most important marketing decision you can make is the name of the product. I should do a whole episode on this. This kind of shook me to the core because I was like, dang. But And this is their opinion, but it's definitely true. Long names could be bad is a mistake. Complex names is a huge mistake. And shortening with initials. A lot of times they say initials is meaningless. Like MCI, that was, uh, they I think were eventually bought by Verizon. 
Like, and they're talking about big companies, but if you confuse, you lose. Like having a good name can is a huge key to good positioning. I think there's plenty of YouTube channels that have succeeded without that. But if you want to give yourself the greatest advantage, again, if the name is forgettable, if it's not sticky, if people don't, if it doesn't come to mind. So if you want to have a position in the mind of the prospect, right, then you're ultimately thinking, is the name memorable? Is it related to the topic you want to be known for and cover? And then also another mistake is line extension. What does that mean? It means when you become known for something. The biggest mistake you can do is start diluting your brand by doing too many other things. And one of the things they recommend is rather than continuing to extend, line extension would be like, you know, Tylenol PM, Tylenol AM, Tylenol midday, <laughs> Tylenol. And, it, or if it would be, what do we know is Tylenol is going to help me with my headaches. But if you did like Tylenol for acid indigestion, you know, I'm going to get Tums if I've got if I'm feeling like I ate a too spicy of a dinner, I'm going to get Tylenol for my headaches. I'm going to get NyQuil if I want to sleep. Now, Tylenol PM can do fine, but NyQuil, right, is going to be the brand positioning in my mind of I've got a flu and I'm trying to sleep. DayQuil, if I've got a flu and I'm trying to get through the day. Tylenol, if I've got a headache. Tums, if I've got, and then you speak to like these names mean something. They're positioned in our mind. But the problem is line extension would be if Tums also started like a, 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 a leisurely beverage. Like, ah, I want Tums to like feel good. I'm not trying to like sip on Tums, you know, drink just at the pool for fun, right? So to be clearer, one of the brilliant ways of doing this was both, both Lexus and Toyota are the same company, owned by the same company. But Toyota is more of the economical great car positioning, and Lexus would be the luxury versions. The mistake would have been calling it Toyota Max, line extension. What's the takeaway for us as content creators? It's saying that when you get clear on what your brand is for, what your channel is for, what your promise is, this is why the way we put it, never upload videos your subscribers didn't subscribe for. And as you get more advanced in your business, it starts being, being we've been thoughtful. Because remember, this is stuff I'm verbally processing with you on the podcast that we're talking about at Think Media. When we, and there was a season a while ago when we had created all these different products, all these different like niche courses about all this kind of stuff. And we started realizing like, we also went in this whole social media phase, which was all fine. And these days, it's why we like point you to even sometimes other experts or people we hang out with because we started to realize like, whoa, 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 we're like line extension. Even before I read this book, like, okay, YouTube Secrets, the book, Video Ranking Academy, the course, like those are our key, you know, programs. Let's make those the greatest ever and let's go deeper with those as opposed to just endlessly creating new stuff, endlessly getting further and further away from the core promise. But it's not that you can't launch something else. The key is that you wouldn't, you don't want to call it Toyota Max. You create a new brand. You actually launch a new product. You do Tylenol and Tums and NyQuil. And so this might help you think through the journey of what you're trying to build. But for most of our Think Media podcast listeners, it probably means you're doing too much. Don't try to add too much complexity or multiple meanings. Because if you're a YouTube channel, you're like, oh, I'm kind of like a life coach. That's like, like the name of your YouTube channel. What do you want to be known for? What positioning do you want to hold into the, the mindset of the viewer? And if they think about you and they're confused, like, okay, I mean, it's kind of like a 
tech channel, but it's like cinematography tips. But they're also doing like these motivational videos. And it's also seems like it's like for men's kind of red pill commute. Like, what are you doing? You know, you know, so line extension. So I think that's interesting. All right, let's just land the plane with these six questions now. And again, we'll link up the book positioning. I would recommend this one. Um, it is pretty intense, but I think these strategic conversations are a big key to us going to another level. So you can check that out in the show notes. And also, if you want the shortcut to all of this stuff, um, you can just go to findyourtopic.com and we have a very simple class that'll help you go from confusion to clarity in regards to figuring out your channel niche. But let's dive into these six questions. And I think these will be great triggers for helping you develop your YouTube strategy going forward. So question number one is what position do you own? Now, it's a very hard question to answer. If you have just started, you probably don't own any position. If you are more established, this is a great question. So this is a question we're asking at Think Media. I'm like, what position do we own? I'm not sure. Our action item is to do a survey. And if you are watching this where you can comment, I would love to hear from you. I wonder what position do you think we own? Like, it'd be very helpful. Like, let me know in the comments. Like, seriously, I'll read every single one because... I am curious, meaning like, who do you even think we are? I'm thinking about in a burgeoning industry like the creator economy, it is still the wild west. And I would say that if you ask like the average American, if you said, who's the number one YouTube expert, they would probably say Mr. Beast. Like that might be the only, you know, uh, YouTube where you think, well, that's not his positioning. He's more of an entertainer. Or they might say, now, if you go to a more the niche category. So then if you went to like a marketing event, like traffic and conversion summit in San Diego or something, or social media marketing world, then you might, they might say like, it's Daryl Eves, or it might say Tim Schmoyer or Roberto Blake. I don't know. So it's it's just what position do you own? Interesting question, right? And I think that sometimes this is hard to process because, oh, this is too bro energy or it's too competitive. I mean, you could say that, but it's also just practical. It's being like self-aware. And then the key with positioning is you need to understand where you are, what position do you own, so that it then influences your strategy. In a way, if you're applying your strategy or shooting in the dark, if you're not sure where you stand on the ladder or if you're even on the ladder, so how to get on the ladder. I think what's fascinating about it this is it's kind of like, it's not even just about the destination you want to get to. It's about where you're standing right now. Being aware, remember, of your strengths and your weaknesses, the competitor's strengths and their weaknesses, and then applying your uniqueness. That's the exciting thing. So to bring a little love to the whole deal is I don't even view our competitors as competitors as most of them are my friends. But what I want to be aware of, I think this is the healthy way to do this. I want to be aware of, okay, where do we stand? Where do they stand? What's unique about them? What's unique about us? How can we be different? And how can we amplify our differences? Be who we're going to be. Connect with the community that resonates with us. Be okay with the people who don't resonate with us. Be okay with the people who don't like us. It's all good. But number one, what position do you own? And the goal is to find out, find a way into the mind of hooking your product, your service, or your concept to what's already there. This is why you might say something like, we're like Netflix for people that want to learn YouTube, right? Or we'd say like our video ranking academy is like a YouTube college. So people go, I don't really know what it is. Well, there's college where you can learn skills. Well, you could join our Video Ranking Academy where you will learn YouTube skills and you'll learn how to build a profitable YouTube channel and the 7R system. So college is a concept and we're anchoring. I don't even know what it is because maybe even taking an online course is like new to somebody or whatever. So how do you how do you get into the mind of the viewer 
with your channel or your idea or your product or your service, well, what position do you already own? And the only way to get heard is to tell the customer what they already know, quote from the book. So the only way to get heard is to tell the customer what they already know. Therefore, oftentimes when you relate is a power strategy. When you relate what it is you wanna do, and maybe you have a new idea for how you're gonna position your YouTube channel, and you say something, you're like, it's kinda like thing that people understand, but for the topic or industry that you want to do. It's like Netflix for personal development, which is outrageous, because that would probably be like full lengths and documentaries and stuff, or maybe you could pull that off. So like, maybe that is your vision. But it's like, I'm kinda like, or you also could say, um, if you, People who position actors or music, back in the day, if you were like, uh, grew up in Christian bookstores like me, and there would be like Christian music, and they would be like, Petra was like, it's kind of like Metallica. <laughs> Man, only the real ones know. Um, and so they would say like, DC Talk, it's kind of like Dr. Dre. No, not really. Uh, and so they would put that out. But it's because in the mind of people, there's something known and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like this without that. These are some good things that could help you even as you are positioning your channel. These are six questions I think every YouTube creator should ask just to be taking to a whole nother level of strategy and relate what your YouTube channel is or what problem it solves or other people. And so when they summarize like an actor, they're like, if it's kind of like the rock, if the rock and Sandra Bullock had a baby, that would be this person. I don't even know what that is. If, you know, if Limp Biscuit and Andre, Andre Bocelli had a baby, that would be this band. Man, I want to listen to that. That sounds interesting. What position do you own? Number two, what position do you want to own? So I was like, who owns the YouTube coaching space? And by the way, it's an abundant space. There's a lot of different people in it or whatever. That's my question. What's your question? What position do you want to own? Mistake, trying to, position, trying to own a position that's too broad. Here we go. If you try and own a position that's too broad, here's what they say in the book. It can't even be established. So what a lot of people do, they're like, my dream is to be, you know, that like you go too broad. It's not even possible. It would be much better to just be like, yeah, when someone has like acid indigestion, <laughs> they go to Tums. It's kind of not exciting, but super powerful and probably like a billion dollar business. So if you try in position that's too broad, it can't be established in the prospect's mind. And even if it could, it couldn't be defended. You wouldn't last there very long. Meanwhile, it's better to narrow the focus and your expertise and establish a unique position as a specialist, not a jack of all trades generalist. Play back the tape, Sean. Okay. It's better to narrow the focus of your expertise. If you've been listening to the Thick Media podcast, you might be like, man, I kind of feel like you're saying some of the things. Yeah. Like this is uh, the most influential advertising book ever written. Success leaves clues. Friend, there is power in narrowing your focus. It's better to narrow the focus of your expertise and establish a unique position as a specialist, not a jack of all trades generalist. What if your YouTube channel specialized and narrowed down and, and, and wasn't so scattered and wasn't all over the place? Then you have an opportunity. Number three, who must you outgun? What position does no one else have a firm grip on? Okay, so maybe you define the latter. Well, and this is not, it should not lead, it, it, your healthy assessment of the competitive landscape allows you to honor the gifts, talents, and abilities and what people have built. So you're just aware of what else is out there so that you can intelligently make an informed decision to say, okay, 
here's number one, number two, number three, or here's probably the top people, or here's the other channels that are doing it. Intelligently also thinking about the diversity of it, whereas some cases there's like whole pockets of people. You step into a whole nother language. Like I sometimes have some of the most encouraging moments I've had at VidCon. I had someone come up to me. They go, I am like the number one. This is a true story. I forget her name. She's like, I'm the number one like YouTube educator in Brazil speaking the native language. I was like, that's amazing. She's like, and I basically copied everything like you say, kind of did it my own way. But like, I am not reaching that demo because I don't speak that language. Oh, okay. So what position does no one else have a firm grip on? You start going to geography, language, maybe, you know, somebody wants to learn from somebody of a different gender, different demo, different age, different generation, right? So who must you outgun? What position does no one else have a firm grip on? Defining a position is easy. Establishing it is hard right? This takes hard work. Number four, do I have enough money? I love this question. I think the way we should ask it is, do I have enough patience, grit, money, time, resilience? How long am I willing to commit to this? Because it takes money to build share of mind, but I I don't want to give you an out listener to the Think Media podcast. You, I don't have any money. Okay. It takes energy, persistence, and consistent uploading of videos to build share of mind. If you wanna become known for something on YouTube, you need to keep uploading videos on YouTube over an extended period of time with a consistent brand, consistent message, consistent feel, consistent delivery of value, and that is how you build a position and you build a brand. Money simply means can you survive while it's happening? Startups call it a burn rate. So. Will you eventually run out of business? Will you eventually run out of money? Will you eventually run out of time? Will you eventually run out of energy? Of course, we all will. But the key is like staying power. So like if you say, okay, this is really an uncontested area of YouTube and the way I'm going to position this, great, because it might not take then that much energy or uploads. But if you also thought, okay, I'm really going after something pretty massive here, it's just a matter of what resources do I have? This is a strategy question. The intelligent military strategist would be thinking, what are my competitor's strengths? What are my strengths? My forces are low. My bank account is low. So I'm going to use what I have wisely. And conversely, if you are making bigger moves, you go, okay, this is scary. Defining a position is easy. Establishing it is hard. But here's what my clarity is. This is who I think, maybe you feel like you're on the top ladder. Maybe you're like, I know who number one and number two is. I'm probably three, four, or five, and I'm trying to move up the ladder. Do you have enough money? That's what the question is. Like, do you have enough energy or resources, like what resources do you have to consistently apply force, the principle of force against establishing that position? And again, it's not just a money thing because there's no excuses. We we don't tolerate excuses at the Think Media Podcast. We believe that there is a way. It's not about your resources. It's about your resourcefulness. And so what they're saying here though <clears throat> is can you spend enough to get above the noise level? I would argue, can you upload enough videos of a sufficient quality on a long enough time horizon to get above the noise level? Can you consistently keep posting to YouTube over a number of years to outlast your competition to rise above the noise level? One of the ways you rise up the ladder is just don't quit. That's true because YouTube has a precarious way of actually being pretty challenging. So those that are built to last and patient and strategic and thoughtful and they play the long game, not just the short game, 
It's one good way to establish a position because you've been around long enough. People are like, oh yeah, think media, like you guys have been around. Yeah, for real. It's 13 years into this thing. So one of the reasons we would have lost the position is if I died, it's kind of morbid. It's not funny, but it's like, did that shock? You know, it's like, I mean, if, if, if you die, if you go out of business, if you stop posting, if you stop, right? So, so do I have enough money? Let's redefine it as resource. Number five, can I stick it out? Determine your basic position and then stick it out. Most successful companies rarely change a winning formula. This was a encouraging to me. As soon as you start winning, man, you want to start doing more stuff and you want to switch it up. Hey, now that we're winning, let's switch it up. No, no, no. Like once a company's got it, remember when Coke switched up their formula and people were outraged. They were like, no, 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 bring back classic Coke. And then they started calling it Coca-Cola classic. It's like, if the formula is working, keep working it. Now in YouTube, of course you got to up your content game, up, you know, reinvent yourself. But like, if something's working, you double down on it and a company should never change its basic positioning strategy. I think this is the key too. Of course, innovate your content, say stuff in fresh ways, stay current, but like your basic positioning, you should only change your tactics, the short-term maneuvers supporting the long-term strategy. So again, this goes back to in the past, we started this program called inner circle and Again, it was about like everything else, meaning other than YouTube. It was about, it was about like everything. So kind of a hard position to install, probably a bad name too. Probably wasn't a very good name. Here's the thing that's fascinating. People did love it that got into it. And people who trusted us know that if we do something like that, it's gonna be good. So it got like rave reviews, but it didn't really break through the noise. Probably a bad name. Also, if I wrote YouTube secrets and if our main course is about YouTube and the main thing we teach is about YouTube, we started realizing, oh, okay, it's a much stronger position. And so then if it's like, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the YouTube guy, but like also social media and then also like online marketing and then also like email marketing and then also, whoa, line extension. Now you're diluting your brand. And so oftentimes a company should almost never change its basic positioning strategy, only the tactics of continuing to go deeper in your message. Apply these and think about, man, how does this apply to what I'm doing, my channel, my content? And positioning is cumulative. It's a compound. It stacks. Take the long view. Find new ways to dramatize it. What does that mean? I think about Dave Ramsey is one of the greats on this. My gosh, if anyone has had the the one core message, one winning formula, the baby steps, yet has managed for all his critics. Oh, he's not saying anything original. I can't even imagine you. <laughs> he's he's repeating himself a lot. It's hilarious to me, the people that would critique him because he's got like a thousand team members, multiple personalities, multiple shows, multiple. He doesn't have multiple personalities. He may. I mean, there's multiple different content creators on his. He's 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 saying he's dramatizing in a new ways. His content formula formula is wor worthy of study. He helps people though get out of debt, right? And line extension weakens your basic position. He has built other brands, but he's named them other things. And there are also other YouTube channels. Entree leadership is a whole nother brand. It wasn't just like smart money for business owners. He, he created a whole new name and a whole new brand, whatever. So, you know, uh, want to land the plane on this podcast. Got a few final thoughts for you. But can you stick it out? Have you figured out your thing? And you're probably, this is an advanced conversation at a lot of levels. This is very helpful stuff to think about at the beginning. But I definitely know if you're intermediate, advanced, this is probably like, okay, man, it's got me thinking on a different level. It's got me thinking about 
man, the long view about what position do I want to own? What is my position? And should I be doubling down on it and not getting distracted? So can you stick it out and keep going deeper once you've really understand, understood where your positioning is? Can you avoid line extension? Or are you ready? Because again, think about it. If it's Think Media grows, can other people launch? Like I've thought about doing like a Think social media channel. And while we do post on social from time, because we really teach video, the best tips and tools for building your influence with video, heavy emphasis on YouTube. And I'm thinking about our main channel right now. And I've thought, okay, yes, social video across the board. What if we started something that would be, and maybe it shouldn't even be called think, you know? So line extension is where if we called maybe everything think, where the better thing would be like start new brand. And the only time to do that is if we've got enough resources and enough team and enough ability. Do we have enough money to support the whole new effort? Do I have enough energy following these kids around and focusing on and really good questions? Because my answer right now is like, whoa, we actually should. This Our theme this year is built to last. We are doing less, trying to actually simplify, trying to actually focus on our, figure out what our position is, focus on that, kill any line extension that is taking any energy away. There's a book called The Pumpkin Plan, How to Grow a Prize-Winning Pumpkin. And the key is the way to grow a giant prize-winning massive pumpkin is to cut off little pumpkins that are, oh, they're so cute. They're healthy in their own right. Yeah, but they're stealing resources and energy from the main thing. That's what we eventually decided about our Inner Circle program. It was good. It was generating like $25,000 of reoccurring revenue a month, but it was stealing from the big pumpkin, the main pumpkin, which was narrowing on YouTube, narrowing on Video Ranking Academy, narrowing the focus of our team, understanding how much energy, time, resources we really had and getting clearer on our positioning. Number six, do you match your position? Mm. Do your ads, do your clothes, do they match your position? When people see you, when they see your music, your editing, your audio quality, your video, does it match your position? You might tell me, here's what I do and here's who I am and here's what my expertise is. I This is interesting because I get the chance to review channels. And I think that in some niches, it matters less. I think for some topics, it matters less. And I think that's the key because what's what's the position? But one of the most interesting things that I'll see is like channels teaching you how to be wealthy, channels teaching you about, about personal finance or teaching about investing. And there's something about if I'm going to trust you for financial advice, how are you dressed? And I don't mean like wear a suit and tie, although that could be it. I just mean, if it's like messy room behind you, sketchy outfit, low video quality, and you're telling me how to manage wealth and manage money. It's like, do you match the position? Just the thought, do your clothes, do your ads. Does it match the position you're after? And ultimately, a quote from the book is creativity by itself is worthless. Only when it's subordinated to the positioning objective can it make a contribution. So sometimes we just get super creative. Look at my background. Look at my set. Look at my clothes. Look at the video setup. Look at all this. Great. But does it support the position? Just sharing you my takeaways from the book. Apply them how you will. But I think this is relevant. Just being creative for creative sake, what they would argue is worthless. Bringing your flavor, your unique style, your unique brand, all of that stuff is, is important but they're saying it's subordinated to the positioning objective. 
So what's your core promise? What's your channel about? What would the market's perception be? What position do you want to have in the prospect's mind? And creativity submitted to the positioning objective is valuable, but creativity in and of itself, just because my videos are cool and the editing's quirky and like I got LED lights in my background and yeah, it's, if it's a mishmash of a bunch of different stuff, how are people gonna remember you? How are you gonna stand out? And so ultimately, those are six questions. What position do you wanna own? What position, what position do you own right now? What position do you want to own, number two? Three, who must you outgun? Four, do you have enough money? Five, can you stick it out? And six, do you match your position? Are you aligned? And if not, how can you get aligned with your position? I'm curious your takeaways and your aha moments from this episode. Of course, rate and review on Apple and Spotify or Google or wherever you listen to the podcast. But on YouTube, I'd love to have a conversation. And I really want to engage with you on this episode. And I'll read every comment. I'm curious also, you know, what position do you think we own? One of the things we've been doing is doing some specific surveys on the community tab. If you're just starting YouTube, you may feel overwhelmed like this doesn't apply to you. I would argue it does. However, you don't own any position yet. You're just starting. So this is going to inform maybe how you do competitor research. But if you're more established, the action item we're taking is we're, we're actually going to be doing a proper upcoming annual survey as we've done in the past because we want to get to know you better. But I would love to hear from you in the comments um, again, like who, who do you think, who do you go to for advice in business or entrepreneurship or YouTube advice? I'm curious, where do you think Sean Cannell, the brand or think media, the brand is uh, literally that would be priceless to me. And I would love to hear your feedback. If you've geeked out on this episode, you may love reading this book. The entire think media team is reading it just so we can stimulate conversation as we're thinking about it. It's been valuable to us. I know that these episodes, man, we're going on like 50 minutes and this is a, a deeper dive strategy conversation, but we are putting all these episodes into a playlist. And I know this is different than what we normally talk about, but I know for me, it's been incredibly valuable. And the greatest content creators and contentpreneurs and business owners are going to not just outwork, not just outlearn, but they're also going to outstrategize and outlast the competition. And so I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't invite you in to the fact that those who have higher levels of strategy and strategic thinking and hard thinking and analytical awareness of what's happening in the market around them and who the competitors are, not in such a way that it leads to insecurity, but in a way that it leads to insights so that we could better take our strategic approach to realize, man, why was I even fighting so hard against that the competition when I could have carved out my unique positioning, crushed it, and built a life and a business that supports my family and makes a difference I think that we could do that on the other side of better strategy. So thanks again for listening to this episode. My name's Sean Cannell, Rhymes with YouTube channel, and I look forward to seeing you in a future episode of the Think Media Podcast.